0: Hello, Working Within listeners, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Working Within show. Uh, As you know, and have learned from our past few, more than few episodes, we've been focusing on highlighting Black leadership stories on this show and serving awesome Black social enterprise leaders. And so through that work, we've been able to have some amazing guests on the show to share about their passions. The work they're doing, the organizations they're leading, and so much more. I am very honored to have our guest today because she is one of those folks who, like you know, you you see and learn about them, and then you're like, hmm, I wonder if I'll ever speak to them, and then suddenly they're on your show. That is uh, what is happening today uh, with Gabrielle Wyatt, who is the founder of the Highland Project. I will let her share more um, because uh, I really am excited to hear her story as much as you all are, but. Just know, um, as we start this episode, I, I am being so serious when I say that I learned about the Highland Project um, through Instagram, I think, and just been following it since. Really appreciate the work that she's doing, and, and now she's on the show. So Gabrielle, thank you so much for being here, and would you please introduce yourself to our audience?
1: Sure. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for our time together. Uh, I feel honored. Um And blessed to just be in a sacred space um, that is focused on telling our stories because so often um, a lot of leadership development, social change writing that we see on our Instagram feeds can feel so whitewashed. And yet we know we are the drivers of that change um, as black women in particular. So um, it's not lost on me the power of this space um, and what it catalyzes and restores. Um, I'm Gabrielle Wyatt. I am the proud granddaughter of Ruth Wyatt, my grandma who is about to turn 100 years old in about 30 days. Um, I am the proud daughter of Mary Alice Wyatt and Quentin Wyatt who met teaching back home in Baltimore where I'm from. They created a household that deeply valued the brilliance of what would become their three girls and the youngest of three girls my sisters are incredible incredible educators back home that i want my own children to be in front of to be learning from to see their brilliance actualized in the eyes of Um, and i am the proud founder of the highland project which i'm excited to talk more about today. We are focused on building and sustaining a coalition of Black women leaders who are really seeking to redefine to redefine wealth with their own personal sustainability at the core.
0: I, I really appreciate how you went first to honor your grandmother and your parents. Uh, I don't hear that often, but it is like the result of their actions and being that we get to be um, I know I'm talking to the preaching to the choir in that way, um, but it, I just that's so respectful, um, and also just a way to like share gratitude. So that thank you for sharing that way.
1: You're welcome. Yeah, it's um, I was thinking about it when um, in coming in here, and you know, particularly with my grandmother, she's about to turn a hundred, and. Uh, at the beginning of March, all of our first cohort of Highland leaders had the opportunity to meet her. And as I continue to reflect on what I know was history made that day, that we will feel in generations to come, I just was thinking about how much really is proximate to us that we might not think we always know. And I think, right, like that, the fact that a woman who was born in 1923, a Black woman for that matter is alive and thriving today, that means we all are proximate to a sustained woman, to a woman who actually has found practices to not only sustain herself, um, but to create a family who would go onwards to sustain themselves and onwards would become public servant leaders, right? Who deeply valued Um, not just being involved in their community, but truly investing with their gifts in their community. And I think that's the lineage of my family and the lineage that she certainly has been the matriarch of. And so just in listening to you, I wanted to name that as I think about where I've been in my journey. Um, You know, I think often, particularly in the conversation we're going to have today about Highland and how we focus on well-being um, and centering well-being as essential for social change led by black women leaders and the continued progress of this nation. There are so many narratives that tell us that the idea about sustainability is so far-fetched for us. And yet I've realized in my own journey and my own healing and my own just development of my relationship with my grandmother and my parents in particular, they have always been examples, right? And those little seemingly small examples exist that tell me we know our power of what it means when we are sustained. Um, And how can we create more conditions for us to practice that more regularly?
0: Sustainability, you're absolutely right. That's been such a hot, not even hot topic. It's been relevant, uh, is the way I would say it. Like, especially since the pandemic, um, folks have been realizing whether or how their practices either are sustaining them or not and the fact that you're able to look upward and um to to your past and where you come from to find like practices and then you have all of the the rest of the world also giving us practices that's that must be valuable because in a way it's it's deeply personal to you um to to look in that direction You mentioned that public service is a uh, part of your lineage as well, and that resonates with me. My father's in the military, so that really resonates. Um, and you mentioned that your parents are, were are educators. Um, what has your public service journey been like? How do you identify with with that term? Yeah. Um...
1: My gosh! Well, I have to share that I don't know if this is embarrassing or resonates with folks. You know, I you know I grew up in a home of educators. My two older sisters um, very quickly stepped into the vocational calling of our parents um, and our of our lineage in education. Uh, and i always thought i was on that track and i say that because i was like i don't know this is an overshare but i grew up playing school like i grew up asking for chalkboards and i've still been asking for that overhead projector and i just began to think you know like maybe think about my own craft right of like what would this look like with my stuffed animals <laughs> uh, and i had the opportunity to go to, right I literally my stuffed animals were named after um, the 1998 gymnastics team to Dominique Dawes and her brilliance um, in particular. But uh, I had the opportunity to go to magnet school um, outside of our community. I particularly had the opportunity to study acting, um, which became a real calling to me. Um, I believe that the arts are essential to social change. The arts, teach us about humanity Um, and so i share that because in my journey of figuring out my role or roles that i wanted to intentionally step into as i came into my own being um, i became a little bit diverted right from a traditional teaching career that i had saw cultivated and nourished in my household as i stepped into the arts and in high school in particular, I was in this moment of really trying to figure mm-hmm. out, like yeah. we all were, right? Yeah. Of like, how are we making meaning of what's next after 12th grade, right? In so many ways. Uh, some I'd like to repeat, some I would not. Uh, but in what I would always repeat um, was finding and studying the playwright Bertolt Brecht. Bertolt Brecht was a Holocaust survivor, and he created a type of theater meant to make you so uncomfortable that you'd leave in the middle of the show to perform a political act. And at that time, I think I really began to internalize where my father was teaching, where he taught for the majority of his career, which was Milford Mill Academy in Baltimore County, which at the um, you know moments before integration represented you know the peak, if you will, of quality education in mm. a segregated environment for Black mm. human beings, and after integration, right. Like, stories we know of the benefits and the costs of integration to our communities. You saw the flight of black mm-hmm. talent and then the decades begin of underinvestment um, in human capital and financial capital um, and human potential in the school building. And frankly, I felt incredibly guilty. I felt a lot of shame that I had what I felt like was this like golden ticket I had somehow taken from someone else. Um, And I was angry. An educator in my building, I feel like there's always an educator in one of our stories, right? Who sees that moment that you could choose the fork in the road, right? And that educator said, like, you seem really angry. (laughs) You can do something with that. Um, Why don't you run for school board? And in Baltimore County, uh, they're able to run for school board. They have one student member um, with nearly full voting rights. And so I ran for that role. Um, I earned it. I was appointed by the governor and I never looked back. Um, Right. I I like stepped in and I stepped in. um, I stepped in and it was an alignment of stars for me and my leadership um, at that moment because we had. I'm a black male superintendent, Dr. Hairston. He was the first to ever disaggregate student achievement data. He truly believed in the power of voice. He was one of the first superintendents to have a student council that he met with on a monthly basis. And I said to him, you know, as I told him about the experiences that led me to run for school board, I shared that I knew while a biracial black girl I still was not representative of the true lived experiences of other black girls in the city and in the county. And because of that, I said to him, so I don't think I it's going to be enough for us to talk to the students in student government because I think they all while they might have, you know, some diversity, they still have often an academic record shared experiences. And the most beautiful gift he gave me was believing in my voice and believing in co-powering. And what do I mean by that? We, My senior year of high school, um, for a couple of months, once a week, we would travel together to a high school. We would just say we were coming and we would grab students from the hallways, not the students who always were given a table and listened to. Um, And we would sit and talk about what was actually happening in the school building, how close did they actually feel that they were to attaining their goals that they were manifesting, and most importantly, what do they need to get closer to achieving those goals. Um, And I've just come to really appreciate um, that example of really feeling like I was co-powered with. Um, That is one of the top examples I can name to you of feeling like I was co-powered with as a biracial black girl. Um, So, you know, after the board, I continued to work with them in different ways through undergrad, I did not choose a career uh, in acting. I chose the path of political science, wanting to deeply understand policies, institutions, and resource flows and how that related to really creating liberation um, in our communities. I went then on to the Kennedy School, knowing that I needed a master's in public policy, that toolkit, that training to really enter where I wanted to in systems change in education. Um, And after the Kennedy School, I had the opportunity to come here to New York City, which is where I now live. It's about 12 years ago or so um, during the last couple of years of Mayor Bloomberg's term um, to work in the portfolio planning office. Brooklyn, which meant that I was leading some of the still to this day most impactful set of school reforms and also most controversial. We can talk more about that if that's of interest. Um, And shortly thereafter, went to Newark, New Jersey um, to lead strategy and innovation for Newark public schools um, against the backdrop of a very large philanthropic gift um, that had been announced on national TV. And after that, stepped into a role in really figuring out how do you move resource flows, i.e. philanthropy was what it was defined for me at the time, um, to really truly center not only black and brown voices and leadership, um, but justice. Um, And so for a number of years, advised a few high-net-worth individuals on creating funding opportunities for leaders of color in the public charter school space. Um, I became a founding partner at the City Fund, which is a large national um, education foundation focused on bold change in education. Um, And I'll pause there because I think that was really, for me, a a turning point moment in how I began to put a constellation of experiences together um, for what now is known as the Highland Project.
0: Do you feel like when you're able to look back, it's easier to thread the story together? That's a good question. I mean, I feel like that's probably
1: true. You know, I think it's like a, I don't know, right. 60, 40, 50, 50 kind of thing, right? Um, you know, what one thing um, our chief daydreaming officer at the Highland Project, Octavia Rahim, always says to all of us is it's already been written. Um, and so... I don't think, you know, I think sometimes it's like, are you spitting, you know, like folks are like, is this just like that perfect constellation moment? No, but I do also believe, um, I've become to deeply sit with those words if it's already been written. Um, and I come to sit with recognizing my own power of the ways I've stepped into more intentionally moving in alignment with my values. Um, and more intentionally stepping away from this notion that it's about title and role, right? Which I think we so often, you know, ask any kid in school what they were asked about. And most will say, I was asked, who do I want to be? Right. What, what, what job do I want? Right. And I want to be a a doctor. I want to be a police officer. I want to be a teacher. And I wish that we asked kids like, what do they want to leave behind? What do they want to be known for? What do they want to create? And so I think in listening to your question, I think you know what has been a part of this journey is getting more and more clear that it's not about a role or a title. It's not about a feeling of an obligation to stay within a specific sector or entity, but it's about what are the ways that I can move in the world? What are the different Gabbies within me that need to be present in order to achieve the legacy vision Mm, legacy
0: vision and legacy is a big part of the highland project as well right that's right okay we're gonna dive into it Um, i i asked that question um the one about does it seem clearer when you're looking back just because i know especially when i was making meaning in 12th grade i had you know nothing to go on other than what i had heard lawyer doctor uh math right and And those things, none of which I I would love to do right now. Um, But recognizing that, you know, for folks who are um, just beginning careers, for example, or feel like maybe you haven't necessarily found that thing yet, as Gabrielle just mentioned, um, it is it is a series of. different levels of fulfillment and ways that you've shown up for yourself and leadership journeys you're able to take or um, roles you're able to play, not necessarily position, but um, ways that you get to act that actually tell you the story of, of where you can go and, and where you like to go. Like, just like she mentioned, and when you joined the school board, that was a moment for you that showed you, oh yeah, this is for me. Um, but we it didn't mean she knew right? that she would be um, leading the Highland Project right now. And so just the magic of it all, the, the faith. And I love what you mentioned about Miss um, Octavia Raheem saying it, it is written. Um, that is a deeply peaceful statement and something we can fall back on when we, when we do sometimes feel confused about where we're going. It's hard to always know the exact next step. And sometimes we don't need to. Um,
1: yes, hands down. Hands down. You know, she said to me, she said to me recently, she said to me this week, you know, and even if you think you do know the path and you probably are on the wrong path. Um, and I was like, "Ooh, I don't know. I need to think about that for a moment. Right. And and what I believe she was saying was some of the next steps might be known. But if like every single thing seems to be known, you should be an in inquiry with that. And so I think about, you know, the power of what I hope is one of the legacies of the Highland project is supporting all generations and asking the questions as they're stepping into roles, right? Or thinking about making, um, a large or small and everything in between life choice that we enter with an intentionality, an intentionality to ask, what do we want to learn in these moments, right? What might be the moments in which the inevitable happens, that there is friction or conflict, between a set of my core values, mm. with mm. entities, with individuals, um, because this isn't about right. Like foolproofing your life. Right. Um, but certainly about presence. Right. We, we um, time and our, and our breath are non-renewable resources. Right. Um, and I think that for every moment that we sit in roles that are not deeply connected to the legacy we want to leave behind is our moments that we don't get back. Our moments we don't get back, progressing the visions and the feelings, the laughter, the colors that we want to
0: leave Mm. behind. You just said many profound things. I'm trying to choose, pick one to chew on without even knowing. Oh, man, you cannot get that time back. Um, well, the first thing you said, time and our breath are non-renewable resources. I wrote that down as soon as you said it. Um, that is such a, uh, it's the most succinct way to say the truth um, about our energy. And like you just said, it, it runs out. We cannot get it back. And so having the critical lens or, and not critical, but like you mentioned, curious, inquisitive lens on the actions we take, what we choose and say yes to, and um, how we feel about things is, is really important because each day is one that will not be repeated. And that's very solemn truth, but important one. Um, and also what you mentioned about core values, whoo, <laughs> um, having a set of those, and then again, not foolproofing, but using them as guidance, as guideposts for decisions to Um, in this world for me in the past and presently sometimes is, is so tough. And so listeners definitely, um, we're not trying to say this is how to live a perfect life and make perfect choices, but these are ways that you can begin to analyze, um, kind of where you are and how you're feeling about things. So thank you for that input, Gabrielle. Mm. Mm. Okay. We've got to dive into the Highland project. (laughs) And many things you've mentioned. So many things. I want to talk about the core values topic. I want to talk about that resource flow topic because that's very real in working with In's mind. Um, but first, let's let's jump into the Highland Project. You paused in your um, public service journey because you were like the um, when you were advising for the fund fund development work. Um, this is when you understood and began to see the Highland Project. Because you so could you tell us more about that process and how you got started.
1: Sure. Um, so when I was at the City Fund, in addition to, you know, the philanthropic and board advisory role um, that I held, um, I began to manifest what it might look like to invest differently um in Black and Latinx leaders of education nonprofits and, and advocacy nonprofits. Um, really out of knowing um so deeply and just embodying it myself as a Black woman. That we exist. I don't. I don't believe when we talk leadership development, it's a pipeline problem. Mm. Um, I don't believe that. I and I knew that from my diligence trips to cities where I sat at black and brown tables. I knew that through my own membership and involvement with mm. EdLock Education Leaders of Color. That through my own very lived experiences. And at the time, and I guess this was probably 2018, um, you know, I, I also knew that for my generation, the generation coming up before me, the generation behind me, and the generation ahead of me, we were entering and really, frankly, in the thick of, right, um, what felt like a never ending incline up a very steep roller coaster of. Pressure of violence against our bodies, against our children's bodies, and more. And, you know, as the daughter of Quentin Wyatt, who was a social studies teacher and a historian for our family, I deeply believe in history, which says that Black women and girls, communities of color, we have been at the forefront of leading change that has led to economic prosperity across the board, that has led to multi-generational wealth and opportunity Mm. across the board for the nation. And yet if we are not, if we are um, understandably skeptical of stepping into leadership at this time, because of the real um, violence and pressures that we then feel stepping into those roles because of the lack of capital, the lack of cover, the lack mm. of true allyship that can and does exist. What will happen? What will happen? Um, not just for the nation's prosperity, but for our own bodies and the bodies of our kids and kids to come. And so um oh my god my soapbox no, I, I, you know, had the opportunity I was like, oh, I got on soapbox there. I'm going (laughs) to stop and get back on my messaging points. But on my public service journey, you know, I I began to design um, what it might look like to have a leadership development opportunity that did not center um, deficits, but centered assets um, of leaders that didn't come at it with an assumption that. We need a technical assistance and technical assistance in a very um, specific set of areas, but rather a focus on um, recognizing our power and how that power can be intertwined throughout communities to create and leverage sustained change. And I really like um, Louisa Vila, who is one of the originals of Edlock and Megan um, who now leads AmeriCorps. They really... They were my gurus at the time and opening my eyes to a whole different world that I didn't feel like in the education circles I was in was Mm -hmm. being talked about, about true power building, about true coalition building, about durable networks. And so um, we launched um, together um, uh, the City Leadership Fellowship at the City Fund, um, and I had the incredible privilege to lead the first cohort. And that cohort evolved and unfolded against the backdrop of, we didn't know it at the time, right, but entering into what would become rolling shutdowns, of entering into a time where too many Black bodies were murdered on our screens and continued to be retweeted Mm. on our screens, when it felt like a moment in time when a tide might change when it came to racial justice. And um, as that was happening, a few things um, for me were also unfolding. One personally, as a leader, I began to question, was I sitting in the role I wanted to be sitting in? That was the most intentional role I could be sitting in as I was watching these Mm. events unfold. Um, were, was this role in alignment with where I needed where I perceived I needed to make my next legacy move in pursuit of my vision of multi-generational opportunity um, the second the was that I was observing with my peers with black women I look up to even <laughs> if I've never met them because you know yeah like, he's array right like I I, um, I observed the deep, and very communicative Mm. burnout Um, and what i saw certainly in my grantees whether they were my direct grantees or not was that burnout was inextricably linked with the very complicated and often toxic nature of fundraising and our and our support of black leadership Mm. and because of my coach at the time um, and the stillness that was forced on me for the first time yeah. in my career, right, of shutdowns. You know, I lived in this whole time. Um, I stepped into the space of the unknown of stillness, into the power of that pause, and began to write a concept paper. And it just became, you know, this little, like, thing I would do on the side of, you know, make just kept saying, like, what could this look like? what's missing, what have you learned, start to put together that constellation, right? Um, And so the Highland Project evolved into this, to me, seemingly simple, I think to a a lot of people, bold choice, vision statement, mission statement, whatever you wanna call it, that black women are essential for change, for structural change. And Black women deserve to be invested in and invested in beyond a seed mm-hmm. grant, beyond a training mm-hmm. program, but their their whole being deserves to be invested in as well as their dreams. Um, and so the Highland Project is building and sustaining a coalition of Black women leaders across sectors and generations, all who are tied together by a couple of beliefs. Um, the belief that structural change is essential when we're talking about thriving communities and multi-generational opportunity. The belief that we need to yeah. redefine wealth to be more holistic, that it's more than yeah. dollars in pockets, but it's access to great schools, healthcare, mm. outdoor space, and more. Um, and a belief that our own sustainability is one of the largest levers to creating multi-generational change. Um, And so that is the Highland Project. That is um, really where it uh, began to bloom um, from the seeds of my public service journey.
0: Ah, I have to mute myself and scream, everyone. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Because Black women do deserve to be invested in. Absolutely. And we do have visions and we do want to create changes in our communities and neighborhoods and in this country. And we want to be leaders and sometimes others don't want us to be um and so everything you said i i snaps to that you can't hear the snaps everyone but snaps to that um and listeners something to point out to you all when i first met gabrielle again fangirl moment Um, I, I remember we had a quick chat just to like, you know, get to know each other, uh, before we got the opportunity to record this. And when she says like our own sustainability is, is part of our wealth. Um, I remember I asked her, you know, is, if there's any way I can support you at any time, let me know. And she said, you can support me by taking care of yourself. Um, and so just in, in many ways, and I've never heard that before, right, Gabrielle, like um but black woman to black woman it's just so clear with your vision for the highland project like um why sustainability is so important um and you just truly do endorse that um because there is a lot of violence and burnout and pressure um as you mentioned in leadership in general of course leadership is a a difficult rewarding journey but then you add layers of identity and, and traumas and histories that are passed from generations to our bodies like you you've mentioned and um it becomes a more complex cocktail of responsibility with black women in leadership roles and um so it's i just find it so powerful as you mentioned like power building that you've been able to take your experience in such a like you have such deep experience this is not you coming up with like an idea like this is a result of experience and and a wealth of knowledge like that wealth word again um, that you've been able to to create this mechanism for supporting black women leaders who are doing great work and who have done great work so I just want to give you your kudos for that Um, absolutely and I'm going to breathe because you said breathing you. (laughs) you got
1: this but thank you
0: I appreciate you all for clouds. Oh, of course <laughs> of course um i guess so one um just one more question about the cohort how how exactly and you don't again i don't want you to give all your secrets but like how is the cohort structured you know like how is it different from a, another leadership program just so the listeners can appreciate sure. that difference
1: yeah and um you know, I guess I'll start with saying highland should be in everyone's journey and I I actually believe that versions of highland have existed before perhaps in disparate places though or siloed places um but I believe every human being deserves a highland um and I think some human beings do have highlands. Um and um I would say the second thing is you know what I I believe um is unique to Highland is, you know, we don't view ourselves as a fellowship. We view ourselves as a coalition um, and a coalition that all begins um, in their entry point at Highland in the same way. And that's in a cohort based experience where we are deeply exploring in an intergenerational community where both cohorts to date represent four generations of black women leadership. Um, they are also cross- sector. Um, have, we have consistently um, invested in leaders in education, um, political agency, well-being and economic empowerment, all very um, broadly defined not just in term but also in terms of types of leadership. We have mm-hmm. filmmakers, we have healers, we have educators and more. Um, but it's just to say all roles are needed right as we pursue multi-generational change, but they're all united by going through an anchoring experience with their cohort that's deeply grounded in an exploration of defining personal sustainability, practicing Mm -hmm. personal sustainability, exploring what rest can really mean, um, and the power of what can be seeded, clarified, um, catalyzed by rest. They're all deeply anchored in experiences of traveling together to learn about um, different Mm. definitions of wealth and how they've been pursued, how they've been taken away, how they've been destroyed um, in our communities. And so it's not just a one sector view of wealth um, that we explore together. Um, They are all anchored by experiences deeply rooted in centering Creativity is Mm -hmm. keys to how we begin to vision seven generations forward. Um, And so it's a little bit about, you know, what anchors the community is this, you know, really in a way like an initiation into what does it mean to step into a space that is asking you to to um, extract seven generations forward Mm -hmm. of your vision what does it mean to step into a place that's imagine, asking imagine then piecing those visions together, right? Um, and in effort to co-power together, right? To support one another and move closer and closer um, into that collective reality. Um, that experience is anchored by one-on-one coaching. That's really focused on legacy visioning. It's not, traditional executive coaching Um, again, because I, you know, Highland's place in the world um, is not um, technical assistance or traditional leadership development. Highland's place in the world is about um, what I think we are not talking enough about, particularly as practitioners, particularly in philanthropy, which is imagination. Mm. Um, If you think about capital that is to us, I think about it in three ways, we have capital to seed and accelerate ideas. We have capital to build scale, whether we define that scale as going miles wide or miles deep, and then there should be capital to imagine, i.e. the MacArthur Mm. Genius Award. I think what we've seen, particularly since 2020, is more advancement to seed capital for Black and leaders of color, still not enough and still very important, uh, imperfect. But we've seen a lot of capital move mm-hmm. into that space. We have seen not enough capital move into that build space, right? That build space around scaling. But we have seen capital move. And yet we still see grants not really touch this imagination space. We know that quite literally, grants are structured to one, two, three years at best when Mm. you are a black leader. Mm -hmm. Like, let's be frank, we do not, I call me listeners, if you know a black leader getting longer than a three year grant, I would love to understand, genuinely, Mm -hmm. right? But what does that mean? It means that we're thinking quite literally on three year clips at best, which means maybe at best we're achieving five year goals. And I would, I will say it's therefore a stretch to me that you can tell me we're really achieving a decade long. Mm -hmm. What is that? What happens then? It means we're spending all of our energy, not only fundraising as a community for, for the basics to be invested in, but it means we're working on strategies that reflect playing defense and offense Mm -hmm. on challenges that were created right prior. we're not able to look around the corner. We're not able to look around the corner multiple generations ahead. And so the space we ask people to step into the capital that we provide them with as they're stepping into that space is all anchored around imagination. It's all anchored around imagination. And so That's why our coaching is not about technical assistance. It's about how do we extract what is in ourselves and in our lineages to put together our visions. Um, to identify how we might use Highland Capital to test that vision, to take risks with that vision, to catalyze that vision. Um, And leaders also are equipped with the resources of the Highland community. I think we're a really regenerative organization. Um, Our networks um, continue to grow deeply so that leaders, when they do need that technical assistance, right? Or they need a door opened, um, or they need a voice at the table, that they still have that community. Um, there and aligned with
0: them as they're making their moves. A sacred space. You've built a sacred space and are maintaining one for our Black woman leaders. I love the anchor on Seven Generations Forward um, of your vision, uh, the legacy you want to leave. As you've already mentioned, it is so uncommon. Like Even when I first learned about the Highland Project, I was struck by that um, just because as yeah, when you're working day to day, not um, it could be a social impact organization, business. You are thinking in a calendar, um, trying to just meet the next milestone and 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 create the best metric in the shortest amount of time, almost. Um, and so that room for imagination, and even in as you mentioned your own story with how the Highland Project was birthed, came from you having space to imagine, and so. Uh just um I'm just now thinking about um how much can be created uh if when we have the opportunity to pause like that and and be and be incentivized to create almost rather than to respond.
1: Yeah. Mm. mm. I agree with you. And I think you know, I, I you know, I would be remiss um to not say <laughs> a few things about like the um real privileges and conditions that go into pausing um, or creating uh, creating those moments to pause, right? And so it is to go without saying, but I will say, right, I was not an essential worker during that time um, of that pause. Um, it goes without, you know, I will name, I, um, you know, have had spaces that have consistently de- invested in my leadership development and so i just i feel the need to name that to name the real realities of conditions and privileges that are not consistent that are not consistent across the board um, and I, I feel the need to name that for leaders and these practices still are proximate. and so what do i mean by that um my my own practices, if it's helpful, include things like waking up and spending time by myself first, which requires me to wake up earlier so I'm not caring for my household. But I, it's bending time for me. It's bending time in a way to, even if it's 10 minutes, have that space for myself of how do I want to start the day? How do I want to enter the day? Is there something I need, want to pay gratitude forward for. Mm. It looks like not stacking my day with meetings and really being explicit about that, not only with my team, but explicit about that with the community that works with us, however you define member of our community. Um, Because I think if you're moving in that way, then you're not pausing, right? You're, You're missing these moments of being able to Decompress, to self regulate, to download, to think, to enter. My um, good friend, who was my business planning coach, she's now my board chair, Shauna Wells, she said in a space earlier this year, it takes 15 minutes to fully be present in that space. And so I think about that a lot, right? Of like, that is why you need at least a 15 minute break in between, right? Because You can't go back to back and step in and you're not there for present until 15 minutes in Mm. to a 30 minute meeting. (laughs) Right. Like it's, if you begin to think about that, right. Of like, what does it take to be present for myself and for the table I'm sitting at, it really begins to, for me at least shift my approach to how I schedule myself. And the last thing I'll say is as I think about like the pause, like I, I think it means really auditing What Shauna would say are your two Bibles, your bank account and your calendar. Those two things will never lie. They will never lie about the life you are leading and the life you are creating. And so, if you're a listener and you're thinking about, like, how do I start to put my constellation together? Right. Or how do I have these moments of pause? I'm like, have that 10 minutes every Sunday, or you choose the day of the week to look at how your money is moving in your personal bank account. To look at how that time is moving on your work and your personal calendar, to look at how that time is moving in your organizational budget, it will tell you the truth of that moment in time, and it will lead you to deep questions. I hope about what needs to happen next to move
0: in alignment with what, what, and where you want to be. Mm, yes. Thank you for getting like. Thank you for bringing those tactics forward. Um, because that makes it really accessible to everyone listening and um, also simplifies. Like, yes, look at your calendar, right? Just like that's step number one, look at your calendar. Um, Create 10 minutes, like that does make this accessible. So thank you for breaking that down, Gabrielle. Um, I I felt the same way in the pandemic. I was not felt, was, I was not an essential worker. and so you know that time actually gave way for me to paint i had never painted outside of like art class in elementary school i was painting a lot and this podcast was birthed during that time and so i'm not a builder i'm like a put it out immediately (laughs) like if i were you gabrielle i would have put that concept paper together in two hours and sent it to everyone that's how i am but i i put this podcast together it was not aimless it was not focused on black leader i mean it was aimless it was not focused on black leadership it was focused on depth of conversation really and that was it and now it has become um much bigger than a podcast and i'm grateful for that but again it was birds out of that space that i had the privilege to access during the really quiet time um for some of the of the pandemic um and so uh just being able to make that though a more daily practice will benefit me as well because um i am moving from a space of just totally overwhelming myself i um, like absolutely and so it's also timely the conversation we're having because it has been, like I've been blocking days on my calendar and like these practices that you mentioned because um, that survival mode, the defense offense term, that's, that's not going to work and it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. And if that were like, I feel like yes. that's just been a huge theme for our conversation is such an important. one. <sighs> what has been most fulfilling about your journey with the Highland Project so far and what are you looking mm-hmm. forward to with the Highland Project?
1: I would say the most fulfilling part is um, the various ways I have heard with my ears and seen with my eyes mm-hmm. Black Women Rest and um you know, what I think about um, a lot of folks know um, in our space that when you are invited to apply, the the meeting you have with us um, is actually with Octavia. And it's um, a meditation and daydreaming session because our application centers around the seven generations question, right? And so in order to step into that space, we believe we have to begin with rest, mm-hmm. And what has been beautiful to watch um, um, after seeing that unfold for two years are like women who now, um, and maybe always have, like, but it was few, it was like fewer in the beginning. We see it to be more of like showing up in their beds, right? Or laying down in their beds, or when we finish that, you're like, oh my gosh, well, there's a few women still sleeping, right? And it's, but it names to me, um, I just know like that is the work they are working while they are resting. Um, and that brings me a lot of joy, the like inevitable, maybe snore that you might hear at some point in the Highland gathering literally makes my heart flutter. Um, because I know that it takes courage It takes vulnerability, it takes trust in a space, it feels feeling safe, um, to even contemplate. Yes. (laughs) Closing your eyes, right? To even contemplate beginning to regulate your nervous system. Um, And I just know in that choice to even close your eyes, a transformation is happening. Mm. I, and that might sound woo woo to folks listening, no, no. um, <laughs> to you shorthand, but I just know, and i just know that from my own experiences. Um, I, I met Octavia virtually, um, as I was, um, beginning to business plan, um, in fall 2020 and I knew that choice of just paying money to just sample a class represented a transformation. It's something mm. that Gabby, who grew up and used to love sweat fitness, right, and thought that was well being, it meant something. That she actually was saying, wait a second, I have a curiosity about this woman who's saying, <laughs> i lay on the ground and learn how to rap. Like, I didn't come back for three more months. Right. Um, something would have been seeded that day. Something was seeded that day. Um, but yes, yeah, so that is, uh, oh, I was not that Ted talk, but, um, that has been the most, one of the, I was like, I don't even know where we are. Um, uh, but that has, that has really been fulfilling to me is is that, um, and I think it is hard, um, to quantify that, to measure that, for you know, to bottle that up yeah. as you fundraise. But um, I deeply believe in the power of rest. We know models of it in our culture. We know from things like a MacArthur Genius Award, when trusted leaders are given capital that enables them to go learn for two years, to rest and create and try for two years, we get innovations like 1619. Mm. Right? We get innovation that propel our nation forward. Um, we know this to be true right? in academia, where there's a set time in which you go on a sabbatical, and we know what comes back is research that progresses our nation forward. We know this is true with things like the Aspen Institute, when you can take time and be a resident, and it progresses things forward. So we actually have a lot of proximity to this notion of the power of rest for leaders. Um, but alas, we are where we are we? Um as I think about
0: like what's ahead for us. <laughs> y'all we're recording. I love it. I love it, Gabrielle. Don't worry. Like <laughs> <laughs> um, it's Friday. Um, but as I think about the year
1: ahead or, well, you know, we're four months into that year, which is a little insane to say. Um, but what I'm looking forward to is uh, in about two months, we'll be with cohort two in person for the first time. And so I'm so excited for us to wrap our love around one another as a community. Um, I'm excited for being on like that next journey um, with the coalition. Um, I'm excited to expand our coalition at the end of this year. I'm excited for cohorts to meet one another, um, across, um, the organization. Uh, I can't, I think the ground will truly be shaken in those moments of, um, Highland leaders coming together. I'd say that like, the last thing that I'm looking forward to is just continuing to Watch what unfolds for myself, for my team, for the organization. as we continue to um, unle- unlearn, reimagine, mm. um, step into, you know we we call them our strategic intentions um, at the Highland Project. but um, we know ourselves even better now than when we launch. Mm. and we'll continue to get to know ourselves even. And um, I think about that in small things, like the freedom I now feel on things that seemly simple to some, like your Mm. Instagram, right? Of like, no, it's okay to show extreme joy and extreme pride. Um, It's not just that we have statistics about the challenge we're seeking to solve, right? And that might seem like a silly or tried example, but. You know, a, a Gabby five years ago would not be reposting a, a reel of Viola Davis because she, Gabby would be up what she thought a thunder would want to see. Um, and so that's what makes me really excited as we as we continue to legacy build. It's just every every day we literally are getting closer to knowing ourselves and our true power. Um, and I'm, I'm ready for it. So if you really want to see our Instagram, follow us at Lead Highland on Instagram,
0: (laughs) and you'll see what I mean. (laughs) And do follow it, y'all. Actually, do follow it. Um, Always posting Black women forward content, and I love it. Like, I love it. Um, It's a unique platform. It centers the experience of Black women and um, just shares a little bit, you know, but not too much about the cohort experience and the coalition work that um, the Highland Project is doing. And Gabrielle, it just sounds like um, I I love hearing what you said about the rest. I also have that that relationship with rest that I am working on, Um, but also just the authenticity of it sounds like the relationships and um, the relationships you're able to facilitate and build within each cohort um, just because of the nature of the work that everyone is has buy-in to like, everyone is there to rest. Everyone is there to create and leave legacy and being able to do that in a and have such freedom to pursue something like that with a group of other women with the same um, goal and intention, I, I can only imagine, you know, you know what that space is like. Um, and like what other space, like what other way to build power among folks who have common goals and intentions, so um, cheers to that. Cheers to Cohort 2. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. We're excited. This is my last question for you. Well, it's my second to last because I'm also going to ask sure. how folks can stay connected. But this is my, my last question question for you is um, uh, the folks who listen to our show are usually earlier in their careers and um, kind of in that meaning finding place of what do I, what am I here for? not even what am I here to do like what am I here for and usually women young younger women are listening to this show what um what do you want to say to them what do you want to say to the listeners about what you've learned what they can learn um
1: I'll just speak to like my younger self in this however um you define young I still am young um But I come back to something we we talked about, you know, about 30 minutes ago on this podcast, which is, I just wish my younger self um, was asked and honestly didn't wait to be asked. um, Just asked it of herself more, what do I want to leave in this world? Um, What's my vision for, you know, one day I or my sisters or both? will have children, however you define that. What do I want them to experience differently than what I've experienced? One day they also then will have kids, however you define that. What then is different for their kids than how they experience things? How can you keep asking that question with another generation forward? I now think about that through the lens of how have things changed since 1923 for my grandmother and not uh, as it relates to my legacy vision so that I can start to see and learn from uh, the last historian through the last 100 years through her life right but 100 years forward um, and it's I I, I I share this just start with your own family because it's this is proximate your vision is known The seeds are all out around you, Mm -hmm. but I encourage you to not get distracted by what leadership looks like on social media, to not get distracted by what wealth looks like on social media, but get distracted by the seeds. Um, And so the practice um, that I like to lean into for folks early in the journey, no matter if that's because of generation or they're starting fresh, however that's defined, is to draw a circle in the middle of the paper and write me, draw three dots to the right. And the first dot, I write the name of the young people in my lives. I'm an auntie, that's Wyatt and Olivia for me. And I write about the one thing I hope is different for them. Than it was for me at their age or for their generation. That second dot, I write as Wyatt's future kid. Mm. And I ask myself, what's gonna be different for that kid? What's the one thing? And then that final dot, that third dot, I write Wyatt's grandkid. What is different for that kid? I do the same thing then to the left. And the first dot becomes my parents. What was different for them? Because to the second dot, their parents existed, my grandparents. What then was different because the great grandparents, the third dot. You'll start to constellation map, right? Um, I think there is, sit with that, right? The answer might not be clear right away, but it might be, it will, not might, it will begin to point you in the direction of a vision where three to four more dots are, are drawn to the right of what you see. Um, the second thing I'll say is after you do that, I would encourage you to think deeply about what like brings you joy? What, um, what are the ways in which your joy is expressed that further that vision? Early on in college, I interned on Capitol Hill, and I learned quite quickly. I hated that. I hated federal government. I did not believe it was where it was at in terms of real on the ground change, and that was great because it didn't have me wasting my time. Um, and I learned that my my skill set and what brought me joy wasn't coming out um, in that environment. And so that's an example, right? Of like on that list, it says. You don't play on the federal government scale, Gabrielle. Um, You love local, you love local change. You love locally driven change. Um, And from there, as you like start to create, like curate that list of what you love, that could be like, I love traveling for a job. Um, Then I would ask the next question well, then how many days does that really mean for you? How many days a week do you want to be on the road? Because it starts to give you a roadmap as you look at job opportunities to say, it's not about the title and org, right? But am I doing the things that actually I love doing? Am I doing the things that will support my sustainability? Trust me, being on the road five days a week <laughs> will not, um, trust me, live through it. but. It might suit you for a period of time, right? You might say, I need to do that in order to figure out then the next part of my legacy building. I hope you get where I'm going, um, but I think it's about, not about Mm -hmm. I need to be at this organization. I need to have this title, but I need to start vetting job opportunities through the lens of, am I learning what I want to be learning? Am I contributing the skill that I know brings me joy and will, and will, uh, catalyze change. Um, and is this a space that is going to enable me to actually protect,
0: explore, practice, my own
1: sustainability, all, all of the above.
0: I love that activity. I'm doing it right after we close. Oh man. I can't wait to release that, um, for the listeners as well. Um, I love that. That's a great exercise. And underscore everything you said about joy and listening when you really don't like something. Because I used to work in a bank and I really didn't like that. And helped me understand where I need to go, too. Um, so thank you, Gabrielle. And um, you mentioned Lead Highland earlier, at Lead Highland on Instagram. Where else can folks check you or the Highland Project out? Yeah.
1: You know, I know Twitter's complicated, but we're also on Twitter at Lead Highland. Um, our website is uh, thehighlandproject.org. I'm on LinkedIn as Gabrielle Wyatt. Um, and I started, you know, my own create. I was, as I listened to you tell about the journey of the podcast, I did press go on something that um, was not fully built, right? But has certainly been my joy um, and that's my own blog and vision board which is called the stillness ranger so i uh, am on instagram at the stillness ranger um, and the blog is the stillnessranger.com and it's really an exploration of um, how essential nature was to uh, the next part of my journey in understanding stillness and rest Um, and building Highland Um, and so uh, check it out it's a a monthly post um, and a series of of weekly noodlings reflection questions um, and birds (laughs) love birds Uh, so okay
0: (laughs) well I oh well yes can yes plus one all of that follow the stillness ranger she's right um we will make sure that it's all accessible in that subscription and post as well gabrielle thank you so much for coming on the show and representing yourself your journey as well as the organization you've built island project um i'm so excited that i got to like hear you talk about this um and i can't wait to see more highlands pop up as you mentioned i can't wait to see more um, in the evolution of what you're doing and creating with you and all your leaders and your team so listeners you had a great show today i know it <laughs> um thank you so much for tuning in um we are working within promise to continue bringing you dope black leaders who are doing black and black work um and we'll continue to support them as best as we can thank you so much for listening make sure you tune in for another episode when you can